The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio episode number 367. He's Brandon Lee Gowton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. Uh, of course, you're hearing this after Thanksgiving. We're recording this on Black yeah. Friday, or as the plumbers call it. I don't know if you know this or not, Brandon, but it's the most, it's the busiest day of the oh, year for plumbers, right. evidently. And they call it Brown Friday. That's so. disgusting. <laughs> That's people just turned off the podcast right now. They don't want to hear this. I uh, got a big episode here. We're gonna get to uh, Eagles Bills preview, some news, roster news. Derek Barnett being waived. Um, we'll get to injuries. Maybe we'll talk about the games that happened on Thanksgiving. We'll make our NFCs picks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But before we do all that, wrong crowd beer. See, uh, meet us there on November thirtieth, which is a Thursday, where we can watch the Cowboys blow out the Seahawks, <laughs> or maybe the Seahawks will surprise us. I don't know. But we're going to be hanging out at Wrong Crowd Beer in Westchester, PA. Uh, of course, one of our great sponsors. We're going to have some beers. We're going to have some food. And we're going to do that with you, our listeners. Stop on by. No charge to come in or anything like that. Um, but yeah, come on in. Have some food. Have some beers. Hang out with us. Uh, also, you can order Wrong Crowd Beer at wrongcrowdbeer.com. We'll just go there even if we're not there. Again, in Westchester, PA. Uh, Brandon. Where should we start? I think Derek Barnett. We should start maybe? with the yeah the Eagles twenty seventeen first round pick number fourteen overall. I remember vividly being at the BGN Radio tent on the mm. uh, the Parkway there uh, as the NFL draft was obviously. Oh, that's right. It was in Philly. Philly, yeah, and kind of was kind of very whelmed by the Derek Barnett pick. I was like, okay, I don't hate this. Don't. Not over the moon about this. And uh, I think that kind of appropriately kind of sums up Derek Barnett's career in terms of he wasn't a mega bust. Like, he was better than Jalen Rager, obviously. He, he, he accomplished more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at his numbers, they're not 
god-awful, but clearly he fell short of expectations as a number 14 overall pick. And injuries, I think, zapped his potential. I think, obviously, the increasing reputation of dumb penalties really ruined things yeah. for him. And even as recently as this summer. I went back and like looked at my training camp notes from that practice fight he had against Landon Dickerson at the link this past training camp. <laughs> yeah. And I looked at what I wrote at the time, and I was like, Derek Burnett hasn't looked good in training camp. He's still making these dumb mistakes. Like, why should he be on the roster? There was no point in keeping him on the roster. The Eagles did. They seemed to have hope that they could trade him before the deadline. That didn't materialize. As soon as the trade deadline passed, he was a healthy scratch for the Cowboys game. That was their first game after the deadline. Then, you know, they go through the bye week in week 10. And then week 11, he's not even on the injury report until... Like Sunday, they add him as a late add, like during the games, I believe, mm-hmm. like during the week uh, 11 Sunday games. And he gets downgraded to out due to personal reasons, doesn't play against the Chiefs. And then he was out of practice two days this week for personal reasons before being waived. So I think the writing was on the wall for him. Uh, I, the final tally I had, I think he had one sack and four quarterback hits in his last 17 games, so he clearly was not producing as mm-hmm. a pass rusher. Seemed to be okay as a run stuffer, but like, you know, who cares, really? Uh, so, I think it made sense, because they have roster spots to clear, with Quez Watkins potentially returning from IR soon, Justin Evans, we'll see what happens there, and obviously there we can get to this in a bit after we're done with Barnett, but they're rumored to be interested in Shaquille Leonard, so... Uh, there was mm-hmm. no point of keeping him around, so I think it's good and fine that they cut him. Yeah, zero sacks, zero QB hits, zero pressures uh, per PFF in 55 pass rush snaps this year. So he was giving them nothing from a pass rush perspective. Now, he does have a legacy for life in Philadelphia being the person who recovered the Brandon Graham strip sack down on that for a second? Because I think that's an overrated <laughs> play. And I'm not trying to... Yeah, I mean, the ball bounced right, right, right up to like, him. But he'll be in that highlight sure. forever. And, he, and to his credit, he didn't drop the ball. Some other players may have, like, dropped the ball. I get it. But, like, it's a little overrated. Like, fumble recoveries are a lot about luck. Like he was, and, and as some people would like to point out, he was in that position to recover it because he couldn't win against Nate Soldier, who had a bit, was very bad after that. So, like, he he lost his rep on the play, and that put him in the position to recover that fumble. So, like, <laughs> I get it. Like, it's valuable. It's nice. But it's also, like, it's not skill. I, I, anyone, like, trying to posit that it's, like, skill, it's not skill. It's just he was there, and people should be fortunate he was. Well, the one we can definitely give him credit for is the is his own force fumble. In the sure. NFC Championship game against Case Keenan, we beat a tight end. They, they were the Vikings yeah, were down to block him. It's like Hassan Reddick getting blocked Derek by Barnett a could, tight end against the 49ers. <laughs> Derek Barnett could beat the hell out of a tight end sure. early in his career. <laughs> Couldn't really beat anyone uh, the last year. I mean, he had his best years under Jim Schwartz, like for, which of course was from 2017 to 2020. During that span, he had 19 and a half sacks, which again, that's a number that falls below. What you should reasonably expect of a guy taking 14th overall, as you mentioned, um, and you, you you know you hit on the point where he suffered some injuries during that span, and then you know once the new regime came in, he wasn't a good player at all. Quote unquote, like new he regime. had the one <laughs> he staff, had you mean. he had eight yeah. coaching staff. Yeah, he had. I mean, he had eight. He had eight penalties in 2021 and two and a half sacks, and a lot of those were dumb. Like you mentioned, he started to get a reputation as a guy that would. That was kind of dirty. And, you know, 
2022 comes around, he tears his ACL, done for the year. This year, just totally ineffective. So he wanted to play more. Uh, there was no room for him. I mean, not even on the playing field, but on the roster at this point. So he goes, and I think it's the right move. Um, I wonder where he lands because his contract is, and this obviously doesn't matter a ton for the Eagles, but he might go to Cleveland because Jim Schwartz is mm-hmm. there. Uh, the Jets, Joe Douglas is sure. their GM. And yep. I think the Giants could also be in play because they're so bad that it's like, why not take a chance on a former first round pick? And also uh, Brandon Brown is there as an assistant GM. So I think it's possible he lands. I do think so. Somebody, I, th- I do think somebody will claim him. He should because he's mean, got he's gotten he's got no salary because he was already converted his salary into a signing bonus, right. and they'll take a cap hit down the road, um, and actually some now as well. But yeah, so he's, he's got like a he's barely making the salary is barely more than a million. Yeah. So somebody I think will claim him, and you should, especially if you're again like the Giants, a, a team that's not competing, not a team that's not trying to win this year. Because what's the downside? If you're a team that's trying to win this year, the downside is he comes in, he's a liability, he makes dumb penalties. But if you're bad anyway, mm-hmm. who cares? Like, okay, the point is like, <laughs> right. does he have any talent? And maybe can we salvage something here? So yeah, I would watch out for the Giants. Um, they're they don't really have a lot of. Well, depth anywhere, but it's specifically at defensive end. So we'll see. But Derek Burnett is gone, as he should be. It's weird because, in theory, this should be the path to more playing time for Nolan Smith. But it hasn't been because right. when Burnett was a healthy scratch against the Cowboys, Nolan Smith actually did play, I think, his third highest snap count percentage. But it was still only nine snaps. Like It wasn't very much at all. And then against the Chiefs, he actually played his third lowest snap count percentage this year. So... I don't really see them all of a sudden leaning on Nolan Smith more just because Derek Barnett is gone. They clearly haven't been giving Patrick Johnson snaps, even though I think they should, because I think he's shown some good things in training camp, at least as a rotational guy. And they're leaning very heavily on Josh Sweat and Hassan Reddick, as we've talked about here. So it's kind of weird to me. It's a little weird that they're cutting Derek Barnett because it's not about like, oh, we're just so loaded. Like it's different than the Kentavious Street trade, which could have been a cut if they couldn't find value for him because they were just so loaded at defensive tackle. It's like this is a luxury. We don't need this at, at defensive end. They they could use someone who could take snaps there in a rotation, but obviously they just feel like it's not going to work out with Derek Barnett, and Derek Barnett doesn't want to be here, so they're cutting ties there. So um, kind of would be nice to add some. Again, I, I talked about it in the last podcast. I don't want actual Robert Quinn, but it could be nice to add someone like some kind of veteran out there on the market who can at least or give JPP you, or something like that. Who, yeah, yeah. Who signed with the saints. So it would be nice if you could. Oh, did he? Okay. <laughs> so not him. <laughs> I mean, I thought that <laughs> okay. made a lot of sense. Yeah. I wish they kind of pursued that a little bit more. That's exactly, I think what they could use basically like another kind of Brandon Graham, almost a guy who can just kind of have play in a small role and, and do something like that. We'll see if, I don't know if there's anyone out there who would be willing to do that, but Barnett's gone. They have a roster spot. We'll see what they do with it. How are you feeling about the potential of the Eagles signing Shaq Leonard, who they are rumored to be interested in, along with the Cowboys, uh, in the aftermath of the Indianapolis Colts cutting him? Yeah, I mean, his stats uh, early in his career are crazy. His rookie year in particular is just nuts. He had a ton of tackles. He had seven sacks. He had a couple interceptions. I think he had a a high number of forced fumbles. Forget the number exactly, but I mean, he was uh, NFL defensive rookie in the year when he came out. He's been all pro a number of times. 
And then he had a bad injury. Like he had, he had a couple, he had a couple different surgeries on his back mm. in 2022. He played three games in 2022. This year, he was unhappy with his role in that he wasn't playing as much as he wanted to. But yet, he's, I don't know what the snap counts were, but he, he still had like 60 something tackles this year. So he's playing enough to rack up that many tackles this year. So, you know, he's unhappy in his role. And I think the Colts just, Cut him because they had an un- un- they had an unhappy player uh, on their hands. Of course, he he goes through uh, waivers unclaimed because he had a high salary. Actually, that probably played into the to the Colts' decision to release him more than anything because he had a high salary. So they got that off their books. I think it's a legit possibility because if you recall, prior to the trade deadline, you know Di- Diana Rossini of the Athletic had reported that the Eagles were poking around at, at right. linebacker, which certainly made sense now. And it makes even more sense, or excuse me, it made sense then. And it makes even more sense now uh, because since then, N'Kobe <laughs> Dean has gone on IR for the second time. I mean, they only have three linebackers on their 53-man roster in uh, Zach Cunningham, Nicholas Morrow, and Christian Ellis. So, I mean, just from pure number standpoint, they need another linebacker. And then this guy just happens to become available at the right time. I think it makes a lot of sense, and I, I, I kind of think it gets done. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that he winds up on the Eagles. The Cowboys need him too. Like they lost Leighton Andervesh for, uh, I mean, it's just for the foreseeable future. There's no timeline on on his return. He injured his neck for like the 18th time, so he's going to be out indefinitely. Uh, the Vikings were the other team that I think was mentioned in there. Uh, as potentially having interest, they just signed Anthony Barr when the Eagles uh, had worked him out. So it, you know, all the the all three of these teams seem to be you know poking around at linebacker. Um, but again, I I kind of I kind of feel like I kind of feel like it gets done. Like there's some Twitter history, like yeah. when Nick Sirianni got hired mm-hmm. and he was stumbling through that initial press conference. Darius Leonard kind of had his back on Twitter, saying, you know, he's a great coach. Stop like worrying about him fumbling over a few words or whatever during an initial press conference. And, you know, they know each other, of course, from from Nick Sirianni's time in, in, in Indianapolis. And, and there's the Eagles and Cowboys. I mean, both both teams are very appealing to a player who, you know, has Super Bowl aspirations, in my opinion, but more more so the Eagles and the Cowboys, in my opinion. The Nick Sirianni opening press conference thing is the most overrated storyline <laughs> ever. Like, I, 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 I cringe like every time it's brought up because it's – Sorry to get into the weeds on this, but like it's just it was never I think anyone's actual biggest problem with that hire. Like there were so many things that felt not good about the organization at the time that it was not the the press conference that was the issue. It was more of like all of the bad personnel moves that were being made that people were yeah. I think, angry about and concerned about. And then you threw the press conference on top of that heaping pile of bad things. Anyway, that's not the point. Also, it wasn't that wasn't even locally. He got crushed for the actual press conference nationally. Locally, there was nobody in like among the that 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 I can recall. I think you're anyway, right among the Philadelphia media contingent that were killing him for fumbling over some phrases or well, words also, or whatever. Go back and watch Doug's intro press conference in Philly. That was worse. I'm, <laughs> that I, was I guarantee you that yeah. was way worse than Sirianni. So having seen that, having seen Doug do that and then win the Super Bowl, I was at, <laughs> at no point right. ever like worried about Sirianni not being a good head coach because of the press conference. I was worried about other things, other reasons, but the press conference angle was garbage. Anyway, I just hate that they get – And the real, hold on. Real, the, the reverse yeah. of that was Chip or Chip sure. like was – 
he looked like he was super polished and right. making jokes and and you know like wowing people during his initial press conference and there you go. he was good he was good for his first year in Philadelphia and then he sucked thereafter. Hundred percent. I just so I, I'm annoyed every time that gets brought up. Is like, well, that was the reason Sirianni possibly <laughs> couldn't be good. It's like, I just like we forgot about the Doug Peterson press conference. Anyway, uh, yeah, but that is absolutely relevant that you bring that up. That Shaq Leonard would go out of his way to tweet about that. Yeah, and also I don't know if you saw, he also tweeted Dallas sucks or the Cowboys sucks at one point. So that's that's fun. <laughs> that's funny. That yeah. was back in like 2015. Yeah. He's in college or whatever. But still, like, right. hey. I mean, that does, that's not going to prevent him from signing with the Cowboys if they give him the most playing time and money. And I think that's what it comes down to. That's my concern. I think from the Eagles' perspective, you laid it out well. There's basically no reason not to sign him because, again, your three linebackers on the roster are Zach Cunningham, Nicholas Morrow, mm-hmm. who you just had, like, on the bench, wasn't even on the week one roster because Nicobe Dean was ahead of him. So you clearly don't, like, love Nicholas Morrow. And... Christian Ellis, they don't trust to play on defense. He hasn't played a defensive snap other than, like, he briefly filled in Cunningham for the Chiefs game. I think something must have been up with him. But he hasn't played, like, regularly on defense since week three. So they don't even want him on the field. So, yeah, it would be a no-brainer to add uh, Shaq Leonard. Not almost said Darius Leonard. Shaq Leonard, um, who I think is honestly probably might be cooked, and that might be at least when it comes to pass coverage. Like, when you look at his numbers there, they're not as good. The Colts were taking him off specifically on passing downs. But, mm-hmm. I mean, you just had a kind of a bad game, a, a bad game against the run and the Chiefs. So your run defense might be a little bit more vulnerable than you think it is. So uh, I don't think it'd be the worst thing to have him bring him in. And if he even if he's only playing on early downs or something. But that's the problem to me. I think it comes down to what, what Leonard wants. And is it the right role right. for him? Because he... He forced his way out in Indy ultimately because he wasn't getting the playing time that he wanted. Do the Eagles have that fully to offer? Like I wouldn't take Cunningham off the field. He's been pretty good. Like so, it kind of comes down to what they do, I guess, with Morrow and how they split that out there. And um, I think they should try to get it done. I think Leonard should look at this as an opportunity to ring chase. And why would maybe this is biased of me, homerish of me? But why would you sign the Cowboys over the Eagles? Like the Eagles have the advantage. In terms of like getting the one seed and everything, you know, like they're in a stronger position. So, and they have again coaching staff that you're familiar with. It just seems like kind of a a good way to go about it for him. But uh, so if he signs in the, the Super Bowl last year, yes, <laughs> they were in the Super Bowl last right. year. <laughs> if he signs, that means something as well. If he signs with the Eagles, he might still have something left in him, and he's not a dummy. But if he signs with the Cowboys, he's cooked and he's an idiot. That's my stance on. That's my pre stance on him. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the unknown here is what he wants. So if if you know, so if one of these three teams promises him more playing time, then maybe that's more appealing to him. And who knows if if any of those teams will do that? I can't see the Eagles doing that. The Eagles aren't going to promise a player anything, and then you know that player gets in, and then they he doesn't like the expectations don't aren't there. You know whatever he expected, like it, it doesn't 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 go that way. And then he has he a press conference on happy players, and he says Howie <laughs> yeah. Roseman is a liar. I will never play for the <laughs> yeah. Eagles ever again. Right. Yeah, the Eagles are good at avoiding that kind of stuff. So, yeah, so the question for Darius, or excuse me, Shaq Leonard, is whether you know he can recalibrate his expectations at this point and kind of know that wherever he goes, he's probably just going to be a role player. He did kind of make a funny joke, by the way, like. Hmm. He, re- he referenced uh, the movie Friday where – because he, he got cut on his day off and he he equated that to Craig 
from Friday who got fired on his day off in, in that movie. And I thought that was pretty cool that after he, you know, did get cut, he was scheduled for some charity event where he's giving out turkeys to people and whatever. And he still, you know, uh, he still went out and did that. And there's a low bar for expectation for, <laughs> for human behavior, but still good to see that he went out and he did that, uh, on, on, you right. know, after he had been cut in Indianapolis. So, you know, he passes a very, you know, very low, low bar to clear there, but yes. passes that test. But yeah, I, I think he, he makes certainly a lot of sense. And yeah, I, I actually do kind of think it gets done. I mean, I put it around like 50, 50, but well, that's uh, not taking a I stance. Him, that's that's saying I, nothing. I, but I say like fifty. So I'd say like fifty Eagles, thirty-five Cowboys, okay. fifteen Vikings. Gotcha. Um, the Darius Leonard thing threw me off for. I was like, wait, why are we calling him Darius? Wait, wait when was he not <laughs> called Darius anymore? Because that's his real name. That's his real so, first name. I remember like during the off season one year, he decided that he wanted to go by Shaquille Leonard instead of Darius Leonard. Uh, but yeah, earlier in his career, he, right. was, he wasn't known by he wasn't known as Shaq Leonard I, at all. He was this Darius is Leonard. messing with my mind so much because when <laughs> I've been writing about him recently, I'm like, wait, is this always his name? I, I totally, I don't know how I didn't like register that, but it's and we've been saying it. And when I said Darius Leonard earlier, I was like, wait, who is that? Who is Darius Leonard? It's him. <laughs> yeah, same guy. Um, yeah. That's throw me for a loop. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I agree. They should sign him. I just don't know. It's up to him. It's up to what he wants, and I think that's what it's going to come down to. I don't think it's uh, about the Eagles not wanting him. I think it's about whatever Leonard wants to do. Um, all right. <clears throat> injury report, Jimmy. We should get to some of these Eagles yes. injuries against the Bills. They are still missing Dallas Goddard, obviously. I had previously pointed out that they seem to have hope he can return for the Cowboys game by not putting mm-hmm. him on IR. Maybe the 49ers game. We will see about that. Elsewhere, um, Milton Williams looks like he's going to miss the game this week. He did not practice as of Thursday, at least, uh, in the concussion protocol. And that's a big loss because he had a really good game sure. against the Chiefs. Yep. So the Eagles are fortunate to have a lot of depth there. Moro Jomo will probably be active for the first time in a bit, but not ideal. Looks like Grant Calcaterra will also be in danger of missing this game. So the Eagles are down without two of their top three tight ends. They'll be with mm-hmm. Jack Stoll, Albert O, and then probably, I'm guessing, uh, elevating Noah Tangiai from the practice squad as your third tight end. And then the Justin Evans thing is a little weird because he got activated from IR last week. He was limited in practice leading up to the Chiefs game. And then this week leading up to the Bills game, he hasn't been practicing. So... I don't know if there's like a setback there. Wait, did they bring him up to the fifty? Did they, did they bring him up to the fifty-three or just no? They, they just opened his twenty-one day window. window last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, okay, all right, yes, yes. So yes, he seems okay. to have had some kind of setback. So I'm guessing he's not going to play this week. We should also note that they did activate the practice window for Quez Watkins, who has been limited mm-hmm. in practice this week. So I'm guessing he won't play because I think they would. My understanding is he's not going to be brought up. Right. To the fifty-three this week, he might he could, but it's more likely that he's not, and he'll probably be brought up during the week after the Bills game because that's what they did with Jurgens in terms of like they had Jurgens they activated this twenty day on twenty-one day window ahead of the Cowboys game. He was limited in mm-hmm. practice all week, but then he didn't play in that game, and then he was back after the bye week. So. It does signal that Quez could be back, like you said, week 13 against the 49ers, but probably not against the Bills. Um, DeAndre Swift and A.J. Brown have been limited. That seems to be about just getting them to Sunday, right? 
I'm sorry, say that again. That seems to be just about like getting them to Sunday. What, like, what were the players? What, oh, the players AJ Brown and DeAndre mentioned? Swift. Oh. They're not like oh yeah in jeopardy of missing time as much as they're just kind I don't, of being I don't managed. believe so. Yeah, I don't believe so. And then Julio Jones was on the injury report earlier this week, but he has been bumped up to full. <clears> so the Eagles can throw to him again on some bubble screens to get five yards. And that's on the Eagles side. I think we should talk about the Bills side because they have some. Oh, the the, the yeah, there's some there's legitimate meaty news <laughs> on the on the Bills side of the injury report, um, and it starts a cornerback for them. I mean, they lost Tre'Davious White, their number one corner, uh, back in like week three or something like that, to a torn Achilles. So his season is over. Uh, filling in for him was Dane Jackson. Um, he is not going to play in this game with a. I think he was ruled out actually on Thanksgiving um, concussion, I believe for him, uh, yep. Teron Jackson, or excuse me, Teron Johnson, uh, who plays outside and moves into, moves into, into the slot in nickel. Uh, he had a concussion. I didn't think he was going to be cleared in time, but he's clear. Yeah. So he's going to play uh, on Sunday. So it'll be, it'll be Teron Johnson. It'll be Christian Benford. Mm. And Razul Douglas will be their starting trio at corner. Of course, they traded for Razul Douglas at the trade deadline. They have some injuries at safety, too. So Micah Hyde was limited with a neck injury this week, as was Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp is their number three safety. Uh, so their starters are, of course, Micah Hyde and former Eagle Jordan Poyer. <laughs> and then Taylor Rapp is their number three. Rapp won't play. He was already ruled out. He was actually taken off the field last week in an ambulance. And yeah, like the fact that like McDermott so, was like acting somehow, like, like there was might, even a question yeah. that he was going to play. <laughs> what the like? I think I was thinking about that today. I was like, shouldn't there be a rule like, if you get taken off in an ambulance, you just shouldn't automatically be able to play in <laughs> right. the next game, like as a precaution? So the Eagles, no doubt, like their matchups uh against their secondary and then you i shouldn't even be throwing this in this should be the the top this should be the top name that we mentioned off the bat matt milano mm. is is done for, it's, i don't know if he's is he done for he's the season IR. but he's not certainly not he broke his leg so he i, I guess it's possible he'd come back but doubtful uh but he, he's not gonna play in this game matt milano is a stud linebacker first team all pro last year especially good in coverage which I guess it doesn't matter as much in this matchup because Dallas Goddard's out, but just a great, great player. Matt Milano is going to be out. They lost um, uh, Tremaine Edmonds in uh, free agency last year. So they had two great linebackers for a while in Buffalo, and Milano's out. Edmonds, who did he sign with? Do you remember? The Bears, because he signed to play with TJ Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds, the Older brother of or younger brother of uh, Terrell Edmonds from Eagle Safety, and then uh, Daquan Jones, who uh, you know a good starting defensive tackle, who actually had like two and a half sacks and five quarterback hits in the first five games. He's on IR with a pec injury. His season's probably over. Uh, but yeah, so they have you know guys at each level of the defense, defensive tackle, starting defensive tackles out. They're maybe their best defender overall and linebacker Matt Milano. And then they'll, they'll, be, they'll be missing Tredavious White and Dane Jackson uh, at corner and Taylor Rapp at safety. So a lot of guys missing. And, uh, you know, th- this is a rare team so far this year that's been more banged up uh, than the Eagles in an Eagles matchup. I've been thinking about that. I think that's a good point that you brought that up because, you know, having doing the injury reports every week for Bleeding Green Nation, you know, I look at everyone closely and I've been thinking to myself, 
the Eagles have had a lot of breaks this year in a lot of ways and luck this mm-hmm. year in a number of ways. But when you think about injury luck, I mean, obviously they've stayed relatively healthy, not quite as healthy as they were last year, I guess. But They've lost important guys, but nobody other than Avante for like the season, but for example. The, you know, the secondary, if you want to count it that way, you know, has obviously been jumbled around a yes. lot with all the disruption there. And by the way, on Avante, Maddox should stop down on that real quick. Nick Sirianni did not rule out the possibility of him returning at some point this season, which is, you know, not a definite that he's going to be back. But that's nice to hear as opposed to like, no, he's definitely done, definitely can't come back. And I actually saw that EJ Smith had tweeted out a picture of Avante stretching with the team. So it's not like he's back on the mend anytime soon, but still like, you know, that the door could possibly be open there. That would be a nice thing to have. Probably would take, I'm guessing, like a deep playoff run. So um, you know, if you get to the Super Bowl again, maybe he's able to come back. But in any case, uh, my point that I was trying to make, the bigger point was that this isn't like, remember in the Chip Kelly years, I'm pretty sure it was like, there's like a season where they were just like missing every team's star player. Like every team's best player was somehow just out. There was a big stretch there where they got like very fortunate like that. And they haven't had that this year. So the fact that, you know, when we talk about luck with the Eagles, that kind of balances out a little bit that you haven't really been like a miss missing a lot of key players other than, like you mentioned this week against the Bills and certainly a big matchup potentially for the Eagles to take advantage of. Well, they had the two games earlier this year where they missed Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard sure. against the Dol- against the Dolphins and they missed uh, the two starting quarterbacks for the Jets, Sauce That's and That's true. DK I forgot Reed. about that. And they lost but to another, that team. Uh, they lost to that team. <laughs> but other, other than those two games, they, they have faced mostly healthy teams so far this year. And like you By the said, way, uh, they usually they've been, the, even if those have been the case, they've been also hurt in those two. They've been banged up. Too. It's not like they were fully healthy while they were the opponents were missing guys. Uh, the guy that asked the Avante Maddox question, by the way. Was he handsome? That guy's he was hot, man. <laughs> that guy was so hot that asked that Avante Maddox question. This is really unprofessional uh, of you to, you know, to objectify, <laughs> I think, a fellow reporter like that. But I'll allow it in this case. Okay. Yeah, it was me. Uh, <laughs> all right. So I guess uh let's take a break. Uh, yeah, okay. We'll be back, back after this. After this. Back here on BGN Radio. Jimmy, let's get into this Eagles-Bills matchup. Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it starts with the injuries that we just mentioned on the, in the Bills secondary. You know, this is a matchup that that the Eagles are no no doubt going to like uh, with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith against, a, a you know, just a very uh, depleted Bills secondary. Uh, again, I don't think they benefit so much in this matchup as they might otherwise if Dallas Goddard would be healthy. Um, but, I mean, that's where it's all going to start offensively for the Eagles. I think it's going to be a very pass-heavy game in this matchup. The Bills have, like, a decent pass rush. I think they're – I forget where they rank exactly uh, in the NFL, but they have close to 40 sacks on the season, which is uh, among the league leaders. I mean, that's really kind of nothing new for, you know, the Eagles' offensive line. They they faced a bunch of defenses so far this year that have at least uh, 30 sacks. Um I think their leading sacker is, is Leonard Floyd with nine and a half, but then they have other guys on that defense that are capable of getting to the quarterback like AJ Epinesa. Von Miller isn't the same player as he used to be, but still capable of getting to the quarterback. Uh, Ed Oliver is a very fast kind of quick twitchy 
uh, undersized defensive tackle, but can beat you with speed. So they kind of do it by committee as opposed to just one guy that's absolutely crushing it, Um, which, you know, I don't know if, and I kind of wonder which is the better type of pass rush to go against this Eagles offensive line, because the Eagles offensive line has shown in the past that if you only have one guy and that's it, they can shut that guy down. Um, So I don't know what what to make of that, but I I certainly think uh, the Eagles offensive line against anyone is a pretty good matchup. So as long as they're able to protect Jalen Hurts competently enough, there should be opportunities for him to throw down the field. Bills rank third in sacks per game this season with 3.5, only the Chiefs uh, and Ravens are ahead of them at second and first, respectively, there. Against the Chiefs, the Eagles seem to have a lot of communication issues. At least that's what Jason Kelsey was talking about on the New Heights mm-hmm. podcast. He said that was a big reason like why the offensive line wasn't looking good early, uh, as opposed to like they were just getting, you know, flat out beat as much as and you saw some of that, like the one Lane Johnson play there where like he thought there was a screen, but no one else seemed to, in terms of he just let um, Chris Jones go right by him, and you know they weren't really fully set up for the screen there. So, and obviously you know you're playing on the road, Casey's loud, there's a lot of crowd noise that kind of makes it hard. But Jason said as soon as they kind of got to halftime and were able to iron things out there a little bit on the offensive line, communication wise things got better there. So I do think the offensive line is primed to bounce back in a stadium that's not going to be as loud for them on the road. And actually being, you know, especially keyed into communication issues after last week. Mm -hmm. So I expect a better performance from the offensive line in this one. Um, And then, like you talked about, give Jalen Hurts any kind of amount of time to throw going up against this defense that's vulnerable and having multiple injury issues like they are in the secondary. On top of Jalen Hurts was pretty hot entering into the bye week there, and he didn't set the world on fire last week against a really good defense, but I also thought he wasn't bad. You know, the interception was a bad play. There were times where he was dropping his eyes. He wasn't perfect, but I still think you have a high level of confidence in Jalen Hurts to be able to take advantage of this Bills pass defense. So it does feel like, on paper at least, it should be a big day for A.J. Brown and or Devontae Smith. This is probably the slowest secondary they'll face all year, too, by the way. That's so they don't right. have a single player in their secondary that runs better than a four five, not one. So Teron Johnson, four five, Razul Douglas, four five nine. Well, we know that. Uh, <laughs> we knew we already knew, yeah, the, the Razul uh I mean Razul is good at what he does, where he just kinda he he's good in in, in zone coverage. He's good at reading the he's quarterback. Aggressive. He can break, he can make plays on the ball, and he's a good tackler. But, but. if you're asking him to run down the mm-hmm. sideline with somebody in man coverage, forget it. Um, Christian Benford, four, five, three. Uh, and then there, there are two starting safeties, Poyer and Hyde. Poyer's four, five, four. Hyde is four, five, six. This is all back going, going back to right. when they worked out at the combine or if, you know, barring combine numbers, they're pro day. So not a fast secondary in, and they've actually given up the seventh most big plays, uh, in the NFL this year. And by that, I mean, uh, 10 plus yard runs, uh, and, you know, plus, uh, 20 plus yard receptions. So yeah, they're, they're vulnerable on the back end, just, you know, a, because of the injuries and B because they don't run, they, don't run, they just don't, it's just not a very fast team uh, on the back end. Anything else about this defense stand out to you? Uh, no, I think it's pretty straightforward. I mean, it's, it's a defense that's been together for a long time. And obviously that coaching staff has been together for a long time. So they know, everyone knows what they're doing over there, but, um, 
they don't have a lot of star power with Milano and Tredavious White out and, you know, Von Miller not being the play, player that he used to be. Bills also, I should mention here, rank um, tied with the Chiefs in opponent yards per carry this year. Only three teams have a worse number in that regard. So we're talking about the pass here, but they have been vulnerable against the run as well. So yeah. Eagles could potentially have some success in that regard, especially considering that they seem to find their groove a little bit against the Chiefs after struggling for a bit there. So really, on a whole, um, for all the Brian Johnson haters out there, maybe an opportunity for him to redeem himself or at least be held to a higher standard because looking at this Chiefs defense, like we just talked about the past defense issues and the run defense issues, it feels like it should be a game where the Eagles should be able to score. They they uh they signed Linval Joseph by the That's way right. like a couple of weeks ago and and that wasn't because they somebody just got hurt all of a sudden it's because they need they felt they needed help mm-hmm. in the run defense so uh, notable uh, roster move there paid them a decent amount too like they paid them more than what the Eagles paid them last year wow. somehow Linval Joseph got a raise well, he played well uh, from he played last well for year the this year yeah it's true it's true I think that's fair enough um but yeah so I, I don't know how he's playing there in Buffalo so far but they felt the need to to bolster their run defense. Which should tell you what they you know they they think about how they've played so far. This you year. kind of mentioned this with Sewell already, who I think you know I like as a player, but it's also again like you kind of touched on. He's very feaster. It can be feaster famine. It could be like he's aggressive. He's picking off the ball like he has. He's been making plays, but he mm-hmm. can also give up those big plays too. So it kind of could go one of two ways there. Why don't we take a mid? Break. We're not going to throw it to break. I'm going to tell you quickly here about righteous felon craft jerky, which is the same snack that fuels your nine and one philadelphia eagles you can go to righteousfelon.com and use discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order the great thing about that discount code is it never expires it's a permanent discount code so you can use it over and over again i'm sure you will i am quite aware that we've had a lot of bgn radio listeners who Try Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. And it's not just like a, oh, that was cool, one-time thing. It's like, no, they like it so much, they continue to be repeat customers. And they can take advantage of that discount code, BGN15, for 15% off. And also, there's so many different flavors and kind of products in terms of the jerky or the biltong or the meat sticks or the non-meat snacks that they have. You can check it all out, RighteousSelling.com, that there's plenty of opportunity to keep trying more and more things and you can get they also have bundles there where you can get things at a discount to begin with and then use the discount code further to get even more of a discount code so it's a really good offer is what i'm trying to say and they're based in westchester so they're local high quality ingredients philadelphia eagles it's good enough for them so why isn't it good enough for you too? go to righteousson.com use discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off your order same discount code works at wildrangerpet.com for 15 percent off your order of dog treats and doing those things helps keep the lights on here at BGN Radio, so we appreciate that very much. Shout out to listener Armand, who uh, sent me an email. Uh, he was passing through Philly um, about a month ago. He lives in Belgium. Wow. Passing through Philly. Found Righteous Felon, loaded up on it, <laughs> and for his job, he had to, he like so currently he said he's in a, 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 town, a city, city, town, whatever, called Abijan which is in the Ivory Coast, Wow! which is Africa, I believe. And then yes. his next stop is in Lusaka, Zambia. He's going to be there on Sunday, and he's bringing his righteous felon to both countries Perfect. in Africa that he's visiting. So, yeah, righteous felon going global. 
That's I mean that is a great glow. That's a great um, travel <laughs> snack to have. You know, something that's not going to like get messy it really on is. you and Agreed. everything, yeah. but it's like protein yeah. and it's, you know going to give you energy. Yeah. So, I mean, check it out. It's good. We stand by it. Okay, Jimmy, the Eagles defense defending Josh Allen and the Bills offense. What do you have there? Well, I mean, I think it all starts with Stephon Diggs, who plays inside. He plays outside. I imagine the Bills are going to play him a lot in the slot and try to take advantages uh, of matchups there. When you look at what Stephon Diggs has meant to the Bills since he uh, got traded there in 2020, here is receiving yards each year. 2020, 1535. Uh, 2021, 1225. 2022, uh, 1429. And he's got just under 900 so far in 2023. He's an elite receiver. Every year, the next closest Bills receiver is not even the same ballpark as him. So he is clearly the guy that they look for in most situations. I mean, they have Gabe Davis. He's fine. Uh, certainly capable of big games. Certainly capable of bad games. So, like, he's he's suffered from drops, other mistakes. But he but he does have a huge game every now and again. But obviously, you know, I think Diggs is, is the guy that the Eagles are going to have to hone in on. Nothing new. I mean, they the Eagles have faced big time receivers all season long. Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin twice, Garrett Wilson, C.D. Lamb. Not a receiver, but plays like an elite receiver. Travis Kelsey, and a lot of those guys are sort of like the guy on their team. Like big big gap between them and whoever you would consider their second best uh, option in in their respective receiving games. So again, this is nothing new for you know the types of offenses that the Eagles have had to game plan for uh, so far. And there's been some good. I didn't even mention Tyreek Hill, <laughs> but yeah. So there's been some good, and there's been some bad. Frankly, like C- the CD Lamb um, game plan, in my opinion, still just didn't just makes no sense to me whatsoever. I thought they had a great game plan for Travis Kelsey last week, so you know we'll see if that carries over into, into this matchup against the Bills. But uh, very clearly, number fourteen on the Bills. That is the guy that they have to find a way to slow down. I help. I don't play fantasy football. I haven't played fantasy football in a long time. I'm retired from fantasy football. I do help manage a team. I do like. I'll do an advisory role. I can help do that, especially with someone who like doesn't know what they're actually doing, like at uh-huh. all. It, but just joins a fantasy league, you know, to have fun. So I kind of do that. Uh, and in any case, uh, they have Josh Allen. And Stefan Diggs is a nice little stack okay. there, and they're a pretty good team. Yep. So, and like, and I see their production every. So I'm especially tuned into that. Both of those guys pretty much like are gonna get theirs at some extent. Like they, you can only slow them down so much. You're not gonna really shut them out. Um, I do think one of the things that's interesting about the Bills from a bigger picture perspective is that they rank so highly in terms of like point differential DVOA advanced metrics like them a lot. I don't think they've lost a game this year by like more than six points or something like mm-hmm. they're, they don't go down easily at the same time. They can beat themselves and the Eagles have kind of been a team that is, have been jeopardy hasn't actually beaten themselves, but you know, some mm-hmm. of the Eagles biggest issues this year haven't been about getting outclassed as much as it's just been making too many mistakes and making things harder on themselves than it should be. So I kind of think that's interesting. And a lot of that, I think, is driven by Josh Allen himself, who he is better than this player that I'm about to say, currently at least. But there's like Carson Wentz, you know, there's a Carson Wentz to Josh Allen's game in terms of the volatility 
And and volatility cuts both ways. It means that it's not only a bad thing. I think people like bring that up as a uh, a pejorative. It can be a good thing. It can be that he just lights the world on fire and is absolutely kind of unstoppable. He's running everywhere out there. He's jumping over people. He's breaking through tackles. He's escaping sacks. He's making plays. He is firing throws into tight windows. He's throwing on the move. He can be awesome, but he can also do things like he did in week one where the the, the Jets did not beat the Bills in week one. Like Josh, they had the, the Bills had that game. Josh Allen made them lose that game. He cost them the game. He turned the ball over like what, like four times in that game? So he can kind of just melt down and turn it over way too much. And I think you even used the phrase Wentzian in terms of his fumble mm-hmm. numbers. So if the Eagles can get to him, by the way, in the pocket, good chance they can get the ball out and force a turnover or two. Um, on that note, what do you make of the Bills' offensive line? Yeah, well, on the fumble note, he's got four so far this year, and he's got 13. He had 13 last year, and he's got 56 for his career. 56 fumbles for his career. In I still think games. that's less than Wentz. <laughs> It is. It is. Wentz had more. Yeah, you're right. Like per game, Wentz had more. You're right. But it's but they are like Wentzian kind of numbers. Mm-hmm. And he holds on to the ball for like it's not a crazy number. It's two point eight seven seconds uh per drop back. I know That's you, like you, where Hertz was last year. Okay. And I think you your numbers I, I get mine I get those from NFL next gen gotcha. stats. Yeah, where I do you get from those PFF. But I'll look at both. But yeah, I yeah, remember okay. Hertz last year was around two point eight. This year's like more like three point three. So that's not like among the league leaders, like the very top of like the the you know guys that hold onto the ball the longest, but it's in the top ten. It's certainly you know he holds onto the ball a lot longer than some some of the other quarterbacks he was to face, like Tua two point three seven, Mac Jones two point four nine, Dak two point six five. So he he will give you opportunities to get them, mm-hmm. and at the same time, the Bills have only given up fourteen sacks on the season. It's second lowest in the NFL to only the Chiefs, who, of course, the Eagles played last week. thought the Eagles pass rush did a very good job against the Chiefs last week. Still only sacked Patrick Mahomes once. So uh, wow. it'll be a challenge to, I mean, they, they held like crazy the entire game. And, and they got the, the intentional, intentional grounding. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the stats might, yeah, the stats don't show how good, how effective they were in their pass rush. Uh, but just going left to right, it's Deion Dawkins at left tackle, Connor McGovern, who used to play for the Cowboys, signed there this past offseason at left guard. Mitch Morse, been in the NFL for a long time at center. Osiris Torrance, I'll get back to him in a second. He's their right guard. And then Spencer Brown, I'll come back to him in a second too, at a right tackle. So Dawkins is okay. Actually played with Hassan Reddick at Temple. They both went to Temple at the same time. They won't see each other. Reddick will probably, uh, as he always does, rush more uh, against the right tackle. Spencer Brown... He's got one of those ridiculous spider charts, like super athletic dude. And he's become a good starting right tackle in this league. So I actually give Spencer Brown a better chance of slowing down Reddick than I have uh, some of the other pass rushers he's gone up, uh, up against in, in recent weeks. But Osiris, Osiris Torrance is a second year player. He's up around 350 pounds and he actually faced uh, Jalen Carter quite a bit uh, in college. Torrance coming from, uh, University of Florida plays in, played in the SEC along with Jalen Carter. Of course, went to Georgia. Those two teams are rivals. Some uh, interesting clips exist on Twitter of, of each of those guys kind of getting the best of of the other. And 
there's one where Jalen Carter just walks him right back into the quarterback, which, uh, you know, isn't going to happen that often for a guy that weighs 350 pounds. So like, that'll be a, a fun matchup to watch this, this week. I think the difference between this offensive line and the, the last two that the Eagles have faced chiefs and Cowboys, both really strong on the interior, particularly at guard, but vulnerable at tackle. I think this Bills team is sort of the opposite of that, where the tackles are good and the two guards, the center's fine. Like he's just, you know, he's just a solid guy. But the two guards, two guards are just kind of guys. Like oh, Torrance can be had uh, if with, you know, quicker, speedier guys. He's a guy that like, you know, can muck it up in the run game and, you know, can, can move bodies in the run game. But you could you get some speed on him in obvious passing situations. You know you can take advantage of him and govern McGovern. Just I don't I, I don't think he's a starter <laughs> personally. Like if he's one of your starting guards, then you're probably looking for a new guard that that off season. So um, yeah, I think the Eagles can take advantage with uh, the interior of the defensive line. Whereas I thought the edge was was where they had the better matchups the last two weeks. Not that Jalen Carter has been bad by any means, but you know he hasn't had like quite as loud of numbers or performances a little bit lately. Like if you look at all the advanced metrics, he's doing just great. I'm not concerned about mm-hmm. him at all, but you know, we haven't seen like the, Oh my gosh, like there's one and a half sack or a couple, whatever, how many sacks Jalen Carter. It'd be a nice time for that to potentially change here. Jordan Davis also, I think in the mix for that, I think you could really see the interior come alive with what you're saying when it comes to, you know, getting Josh Allen down. I mean, that's a challenge. Like he's taken a few sacks in part because he's huge. Like, you can yeah. get to him, but he's able to power through or run away. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to be a big point of emphasis and a big challenge. I always remember, who was it that, like, liked to talk about how, like, hard it was, like, to get Cam Newton down? Remember? That was, like, his big talk. Yeah, about. like, Ben Roethlisberger is sort yeah, of the, just, the, the poster huge. child for that, too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's definitely a concern as well. I think, did you mention Khalil Shakir when you talked about the passing attack as well? Because he's not, kind of been no. coming on there. Like, whereas Gabe Davis is Gabe Davis is the name that everyone knows in part because, like, mm-hmm. fantasy football, Twitter probably hyped him up too much like they do with certain players. Um, like, Khalil Shakir is, like, the actual good football player who's kind of been coming yeah. on. So that's a name to watch out for after Diggs there. Um, their running game, I think, has kind of been interesting in that, like, it's always kind of been in recent years, like the thing that's lacked a little lagged a little bit behind, you know, like it's been about Diggs and Josh Allen and the offense and the running game has kind of been a bit of an afterthought there. They had devil Devin Singletary for a bit. And then it seems like they missed him. Um, it seems like they're getting like some decent production. They traded for Naheem Hines last year. Um, mm-hmm. What do you make of the bills r- rushing attack outside of Josh? Yeah, Allen? I mean, James Cook is uh, the younger brother of Dalvin Cook. And he's kind of their go-to guy these days, and he actually re- he reminds a lot of people of Dalvin Cook with the way that with the way that he runs. Uh, maybe not so much in between the tackles. Dalvin is better in between the tackles, but as an outside runner, you know he can he can do some damage out there. And then he's a good pass catcher, just like his brother is. So um, that's kind of their guy that uh, they've leaned on this year, both in the run game and the passing game out of the backfield. Um, he's a good player, but they, they've certainly faced better running backs this year. Anything else on this matchup? Special no, I teams. think that's pretty much it. Special teams, I don't really take much of a look at that. Um, you got anything on them? No. no. <laughs> Eagle special teams has been good. Britain yeah. Covey has been good. So there's that. 
Yeah, normally I'll look at that and then I just kind of didn't forgot or whatever. Thanks wow, to the third phase. Bad job by me. I mean, this has <laughs> been, a, a, no one should feel bad for anyone uh, here, but it has been a crazy week. Like it's already Friday, you know, coming off the Monday game with Thanksgiving, it's just like an especially insane week, it feels like. Okay, why don't we take another break here and we'll get back into some thoughts on the NFC playoff picture. We will be back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, which in addition to Right to Sell and Craft Turkey, which by the way, Jimmy, I got a text from my mom. I'm at my parents' house for this record since you know Thanksgiving was yesterday. And she informed me that she actually placed an order as she usually does, because she's a repeat customer at rightdosellin.com. She doesn't eat meat, but my dad does. So during the pod, an order was placed. How about that? That's effective advertising. Didn't even mm. need to publish the podcast, and someone's using it already. Uh, but in addition to Right to Sellin, Craft Jerky, and Wrong Crowd Beer Company, BGN Radio is also brought to you by Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Yeah, 856-906-9295. Actually, Brandon... Huge I'm heading news. to do, 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 do. <laughs> I'm heading to Stephanie Roach of wow. Roach Realtors house when we're done recording here and I'm going to go pick up uh, a couple pizzas and some spig- uh, I think some spaghetti and some other stuff at you know a local Italian place here and we're going to celebrate Stephanie Roach of Roach Realtors birthday That's awesome fascinating news right it's exciting <laughs> so yeah anyway if you're looking to buy or sell your house uh call kristen roach of roach realtors who uh along with her mother stephanie roach of roach realtors have over 50 years of experience selling real estate they're good but oh my god is the best realtor duo in the history of the universe Real Kristen Roach, of course, being named the best realtor in the history of the universe by God. Uh, again, 856-906-9295 if you're looking to buy a home or sell your home. So typically we do you know, our Eagles and non-Eagles picks here, but because a bunch of teams played... Hey, did we already do them? I don't remember. No, we didn't. Oh, okay. Again, short week, weird things. And all of the Eagles' kind of main interest in terms of as it relates to getting the number one seed played on Thanksgiving. And the Lions lost, so the Eagles are very happy about that. 
there's a little bit of like discourse there for a bit that like oh the, look out for the lions lions have an easy schedule might be able to sneak up on the one seed yep. and looking like not going to be the case almost lost to the bears lucky not to and then got just owned by like jordan love looked awesome by the way i think you laughed at me for saying the packers might make a run to the wild card Again, look at their schedule. It's easy. And if Jordan Love's going to play like that, like that's, you know, I think they could make a little bit of a run there. Um, but anyway, it's good for the Eagles that the Lions lost, obviously, gives them more cushion because now every NFC team has at least three losses uh, after them. Not good that the Cowboys won and the 49ers won. And not only won, but looked, you know, pretty mm-hmm. dominant doing it. A um, little weird to me that Jerry Jones is saying that that Cowboys win over the commanders on Thanksgiving is the best time of his ownership over the Super Bowls. He explicitly said, even including the Super Bowls. Uh, I don't know yeah, about that, nuts. but um, yeah. Did you, he might've been, he might've been imbibing a bit. What's, he he might, he might've had a few drinks that day. What, um, <laughs> what do you, if anything, do you take away from anything on Thursday? Uh, well, the Lions lost really damaging for that. I mean, they're still going to win the NFC North. Like, I don't think they're really in danger of, of probably you know, kind of getting passed by the they still play the Vikings, the Vikings twice, or though. anything like that. It's possible. If they lose it's certainly both possible that they could not win that division, but terribly damaging for their chances of earning the one seed. Um, I, I haven't looked to see like what their odds of getting the one seed are after that loss, but before that game, they're around like 15 and that will have plummeted uh, by the time that that gets recalibrated or whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, Jordan Love tore him apart, and their pass defense has been ass. Excuse my <laughs> language, but they have been ass. Like ever since that uh, shellacking that they took uh, against Baltimore, since that game, they have gotten absolutely torn apart in the passing game. And, you know, I think like locally here uh, in Philly, that was sort of a, a big concern about this Eagles defense for a few weeks. Not anywhere on the level of this Lions pass defense, which they have really struggled to stop anyone through the air. And that's a team that I look at where, you know, if they're playing uh, in San Francisco in the playoffs or in Philly, and you got Jared Goff back there, a quarterback who doesn't, you know, isn't known for having like a super strong arm. That is a team that, you know, if you're the Eagles, you welcome that team coming to Philadelphia and, and facing them in the playoffs. I think that's a very ideal opponent to get to face. If you're playing them in Detroit, maybe that's a different story, but outdoors in Philly in January weather, sign me up for that team all day. Yeah. I mean, you're betting against the history of the franchise too. I know that's not necessarily like this team carries all of the same flaws as those, but this is a team that historically, well, they haven't won a playoff game since the nineties or whatever. Like, you know, you're uh, like, you'll gladly face I, that team. Do they have the longest streak of uh, no playoff wins? Oh, I can look that up real quick. But you can continue what you were talking it's about. It's definitely there. up there. Uh, by the way, real quick, I looked up the Bills special teams data. The Eagles are fifth okay. in special teams DVOA. The Bills are below average. They rank down at 21st overall. So, you know, maybe the Eagles have an edge in special teams. We'll see. Uh, just to tie a bow on that point. But, yeah, I mean, I still think the Lions are a good team. It's just that 1991 clear, is yeah. the last time they won a playoff game. To and me, that is the longest streak in the NFL, 30, 31 years. That was before. The, the I, next closest, by the way, is the Dolphins. The next closest is the Dolphins, 22 years. They have a nine-year nine gap between them and, and, and the next closest team for a playoff win. That was before I was born. 
the the ninety. I'm guessing if you're <laughs> if you're talking about the nineteen if you're talking about January nineteen ninety one as when they last won a playoff game, that is before I was born. So it's been a while. Now they do have the one playoff game where uh, screwed. There was a there was a pass interference flag thrown. On a Dallas defender, I can't remember that linebacker is a linebacker. I can't remember his name. I know exactly. And it was clear as day, pass interference call, clear, and they picked the flag up. So it wasn't even as if like it was just a missed call. They threw the flag on the play, and they're like, and another referee came running in, like, no, he didn't pass interference. Like it was as clear a pass interference call as you could get, and they picked it up. And you know, I forget what happened on the rest of that series, but they didn't score. And Dallas got the ball back, and they wound up winning. But if that pass interference call had been, you know, rightfully upheld, the Lions would have won that game. So you know they kind of got screwed, and the the Cowboys benefited from the officials in a big way in a playoff game once upon a time. That was uh, Anthony Hitchens you were looking for, and also if I'm uh, yes, not mistaken, <laughs> didn't like Des Bryant run out into the field during that to like argue the call with the refs <laughs> yes. without a helmet, by the way, which is like technically against the rules. Like you can't be on the field without a helmet or whatever. But like also why is he allowed to just run onto the field and argue with the ref? He's an offensive player running onto the field during the Cowboys defensive play. Anyway, um long tangent there. But yes, Lions not looking like as big of a threat all of a sudden. 49ers, Cowboys, who the Eagles play next after the Bills um, in that order. 49ers, Cowboys, certainly looking threatening and looking good. Now, I will point out, as I did previously, Cowboys have played the easiest schedule in the league this year, according to DVOA. Uh, They've taken advantage of that, clearly, by kicking the crap out of everyone. But it was a little too much to me, I think, in terms of like the um, anointing of that team. Like, oh, Dak is the MVP. He's not even the best quarterback in his division for the second year in a row. Like, that's the MVP, really, of the league. The guy who's played the, the toughest schedule and is like, clearly, I mean, he's, I think Dak has played well, to be clear. But you also see the stat padding happening. The Cowboys are up, like, what, a, b- a billion points in the fourth quarter or whatever yesterday, six minutes left. They're still throwing the ball. Like, they're, they're intentionally, they're clearly stat padding. And that's fine. They're allowed to do that. But we can also call it out for what it is. And specifically, when you do that, but you go up against the good teams and you lose, well, then I think your credibility kind of gets fairly called into question uh, because that's like, it's just kind of, it, it reminds me, it makes me feel like the Cowboys are this team that's playing Madden on rookie mode and talking about like how good they are to their friends. It's like, you're playing the game on rookie mode. Yeah, of course. Great. Congrats. You're amazing. But if you suck on hard mode, what's the point? There was uh, at, so at the Eagles press conferences today. Uh, ESP was like, how did Dak not get a penalty for planting a turkey yeah. in the Salvation Army pot and then literally eating it on the field? And I guess they, they said in the press conferences thereafter that like they – uh, they weren't care. They didn't care about penalties at that point. And I think at that point in the game, they were up thirty-eight to ten or something like that. So yeah, they probably didn't care about getting a penalty there. But uh, it is funny how they celebrate these wins like um, like they just won the Super Bowl or something like that. And, and let's I give just credit said it, the Jerry too, Jones I mean. thing. He literally said it's better than Super Bowl wins for them. He literally yeah. said those words. 
Yeah, I mean, credit where it's due. They, both they and the 49ers, when they do beat their opponents, I mean, they are smashing them. And as you pointed out, the Cowboys have the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL so far this year. But, I mean, there is something to be said for blowing those teams out. So you got to respect them as, like, legitimate opponents. But, sure. But, but man, like, uh, I, I – but, yeah, I mean, like, it is kind of funny how, how – uh, and you don't really see the, the 49ers do that quite as much as the Cowboys, but the mm-hmm. Cowboys really love celebrating these easy wins. They do. And I'm not saying they can't, but I'm saying the some of the discourse, the exaltation of the Cowboys when they're playing second fiddle to the in the division to the Eagles for the second year in a row is just like, it's a little funny to me. It's a little much, but it does make the opportunity for the Eagles if they can end up beating, if they sweep Dallas for the first time in like forever, just makes it, you know, even more sweeter. Um, okay. Nothing else on those teams? Nah, I think we can make our Eagles picks. Let's make our Eagles-Bills prediction. The Eagles are three-point favorites right now, according to DraftKings Sportsbook. They originally opened up as three-and-a-half-point favorites. I'll go first, because I actually Mm. made my pick for this game, as everyone certainly saw on the SB Nation NFL show's TGI Football Friday show. (laughs) <laughs> where I said the Bills were my lock of the week at three and a half. Now, I'm picking the Eagles to win the game, but I do think it'll be a close game because the Eagles typically play close. I told you earlier the Bills haven't lost by more than like six points this year. Probably going to be another close game. So I think it comes down to a field goal, which is why I like the half point, especially. I don't, you know, now that it's at three points, that's tough. I'm going to say. That's tougher for me, but I'm taking it at three and a half, and I'm saying that the Bills cover, but the Eagles win. I'm going to say 30 to 27. Yeah, I got this 35-24 Eagles, and you know I think my reasoning wow. is pretty easy. Uh, well, well, <laughs> well established at this point. I would say it's going to be an easy game necessarily, but that's uh, the biggest win over the Bills this they're... year, though. Like relative to standard, that's like that's almost <laughs> double as good as any other team has beaten the Bills. But they're also more banged up in their secondary than they've been all year. And I, I just love the matchup of, of the Eagles receivers against them, uh, particularly on the perimeter. And then uh, offensively, for the Bills anyway, um, you know, while Josh Allen hasn't been sacked a ton this year, he does fumble a ton. And the Eagles are great at getting the ball out from opposing – Hassan Raddick in particular is great at getting the ball out from opposing quarterbacks. And I think they're able to, to force – uh, Josh Allen into multiple turnovers in this game, whether they come via air or just getting the ball out of his hands. I, you know, it's a short week. That's part of what goes into my prediction too. I think it's hard to, you know, totally to stomp on a team like that. But I will say to talk out of both sides of my mouth here, if the Eagles do put a beat down on a team soon, especially one that isn't like the Giants or Cardinals at the end of the season, if they just come out and like flat out, win and like cruise to a victory unlike they have for most of this year at that point what's there left to say what's there left like to criticize about the eagles that's like the one thing that seems to be you know everyone's holding against them at that point like what do you say they come out and they dominate a good team and it's like all right i guess i guess can't really say anything at that point so i wonder how much of that the players are in tune with and like I'm sure, you know, they always want to win by as much as any points as they can. But I wonder if there just comes a point where it's like, let's just put our foot down. Like, enough. Enough of this, you know, close game stuff. Let's just go out there and freaking <laughs> just 
kick their butts from the jump and not let and not look back. I don't know. It'd be nice to see. We'll see if it happens. Uh, I until it happens, I'm not going to give them that benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say it's going to be close. But I do think because of that, what I just said, and because I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, I do like feel from a vibes perspective, just from a gut feel perspective. I do feel like. There's a chance like the Eagles could just like win this comfortably, and it might not be as interesting of a game as everyone thinks it's going to be on paper. So we'll see. We'll see about that. I could also see a scenario just to outline every scenario where the luck kind of runs out because the Bills have kind of been on the the wrong end of that, and the Eagles have been on the more favorable end of that. So maybe it balances out in this game against each other. That would kind of be like the perfect time for it, I guess. Uh, and the Eagles are kind of feeling it on a short week against like a really emotional uh, or like, you know, big game against the Chiefs, the Monday Night Football and everything, and ahead of, like, this is a trap game condition in, stand, in terms of really big game coming up. You're coming off a really big game, Super Bowl rematch, quote-unquote, and then you have a really big game next week against the 49ers who, you know, have been like this lingering thing ever since you beat them and all the chirping that's been gone on. So... Um, you know, the same level of juice isn't really there for the Bills. Out of conference, don't really have any beef with them. So I do, I'm, I am acknowledging that part of it. All right. We should also mention Kelly Greens. Oh, uh, yeah. Are going to be back this week, of course. Well, they're not losing in Kelly so Green. So that, I mean, that's, should, should, add, should add some juice to this game as well. That's a good point. I mean, you saw, uh, did you see the clip of Jalen Hurts talking about that? He brought it up in the in his like post game um, locker room victory speech. He said something to the effect mm. of like "quote unquote" putting those sexy Kelly Green jerseys back on. So you know, like that's <laughs> that's on his mind. He likes the look too. Like, a little bit of a juice factor there. Okay. Okay. All right. Any final thoughts, Jimmy? Uh, hmm. Yeah, I mean, big stretch Bills. 49ers at home, uh, two games through the gauntlet, the, the quote-unquote gauntlet. Uh, another win here would be huge. Gets them to 3-3 three and three at a minimum in that six-game gauntlet. I, I don't know if we can even count the Seahawks in that gauntlet anymore. Yeah, the I, think they're getting, like, I think they're falling off of maybe, that. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe it's just a five-game gauntlet at this point, which they're two games through with two wins. Uh, but yeah, I mean the the bigger the bigger game is next week against the 49ers, but certainly this is a big one as well. And um, you know if they can win this, the Eagles are, have one loss, and every other team after the Lions lost on Thanksgiving, every other team in the NFL has at least three. So I mean that's kind of a big deal, and um, you know good it'd be for the sake of them getting the one seed and not making me have to fly anywhere during the playoffs, it would be a very welcomed win if uh, if the Eagles could pull that off on Sunday against the Bills. I don't disagree. Uh, I have two final thoughts. Number one, come on out to Wrong Crowd Beer Company to watch the Eagles. No, sorry, not the Eagles. The Cowboys-Seahawks game. I originally thought that was going to be more of a competitive game than I think it is now, unfortunately, because I think the Seahawks, as I said, are like kind of, I think they're going to slip out of the playoff picture. I really do. I think the Packers are going to rise up and I think the Seahawks are going to crumble here. So would love to be wrong about that. Would love to see them beat the Cowboys. So, and if they don't, it's like, okay, that's all right. Eagles are still a good team. That's the good news. It's not as devastating, you know, when the Cowboys win as it is when the Eagles lose. Eagles lose much more devastating than a Cowboys win. It's kind of just like, ah, well, that's annoying, but at least, uh, you know, 
I can go about my day, or as opposed to Eagles lose, it's just, you know, it's devastating. There's no hope. So, come on out. Wrong Crowd Beer Company. Enjoy some beer with us, assuming you're 21 plus, uh, and also get some good food. I'm very excited to try the bacon-wrapped jalapeno poppers at Wrong Crowd. That's my first final thought. Final thought number two. I am going to be getting a PlayStation 5, Jimmy. So I haven't played video games for about like two or three mm, years now. Okay. Just been, you know, busy grinding away at the job. Just haven't got, haven't been in it, but getting back into it a little bit. So uh, I'm going to get Spider-Man 2. I've been wanting to play the Spider-Man game. I like those games a lot. If anyone else has any recommendations, let me know. I'll take those recommendations into account. And uh, interested to see if anyone has anything that is, like, a really must-play. I mean, I feel like people are going to be like, good Call of Duty. Like, okay, yeah, I know. But, like, you know, some maybe some other things that are not just the obvious things <laughs> as well. I mean, if you love the obvious things so much that you feel like you have to mention it, sure. But uh, interested to hear if any recommendations are out there for me as I get a PlayStation 5. So, okay, this has been BGN Radio number 367 here. You can check out the sponsor information and our social media information in the episode notes, the description below. So that's all there for you very conveniently to access. And Jimmy and I will be back with you early next week after the Eagles beat the Bills and advance to 10 and 1. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N.